It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me, or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. George, your reaction uh, to the verdict and the ongoing Durham investigation, where is this headed next? Well, I hope it's headed into the trash can because it, it should be the Justice Department should put an end to this and ridiculous investigation now. This is a stark rebuke to John Durham and his entire investigation, which has now been going for more than three years. I think it really undermines John Durham's credibility. This investigation of the investigators is much ado about nothing. They need to shut this down. It is a joke. Clearly, this special counsel investigation is out of gas. This was the first of Durham's cases to go to trial and a clear setback, especially for Trump supporters who had hoped the work would expose bias in law enforcement. Meanwhile, in other legal news today, a favorite Republican obsession came crashing down. Yesterday, the hammer was supposed to finally come down. But instead, it was time to cue the sad trombone soundtrack. Now, never mind the Mueller report produces a huge report in 10 instances of obstruction, obtains multiple convictions before multiple juries, gets plea deals, etc. right? This has now gone on for three years, and like, it really looks like bupkis. They've been hoping that Durham would uncover some explosive revelations to back that up. Three years later, that still has not happened. This was sure. the first trial in the Durham investigation, which has gone on now, as I say, for three years, cost millions of dollars. And what, what do they have to show for it, for it at this point? Well, not much. John Durham finally had his moment in court, and he lost badly. The jury forewoman told reporters outside the courthouse, quote, I think we could have spent our time more wisely. Ouch. All right, Sandy Rios. Well, we knew they would take a victory lap and, of course, probably a collective sigh of relief that uh, Michael Sussman was not convicted because the media has been right in the middle of perpetrating this fraud on the American people. And if, uh, you know, from people that are casual observers, if they see that Michael Sussman was found not guilty by a D.C. jury filled with Hillary supporters and friends of the judge and friends of Sussman, unbelievably corrupt. The judge, you know, whose wife is defending one of the Trump haters who's an FBI agent. It's just the most incestuous, dark, ridiculous thing that just happened. But if you don't know that and you see that the headlines that Michael Sussman, who was Durham's first uh, trial in D.C., first trial after this three-year investigation, you take a victory lap because you've been covering the truth. But here's the irony of it. I told you yesterday in that trial, we learned so much. I never thought that, uh, you know, Bill Barr has been, uh, Bill Barr's been kind of a disappointment to me. He was the attorney general under President Trump, lest you have forgotten, uh, oh, so very long ago. Uh, and he's he basically assessed it this way. I think Durham crystallized the central role played by the Hillary Clinton campaign 
and launched launching as a dirty trick the whole Russiagate collusion narrative and fanning the flames of it. And second, I think Durham exposed really dreadful behavior by the supervisors of the FBI, the senior ranks of the FBI, who knowingly used this information to start an investigation of Trump and then duped their own agents by lying to them and refusing to tell them what the real source of that information was. And that was appalling. That's pretty much what I said to you yesterday, and I just thought that's interesting that uh, I'm glad I have an agreement with William Barr on something because I've been disappointed with him since he left, but he sometimes surprises us with with a lot of wisdom. And now uh, that's uh, echoed by Devin Nunez, of course, who was in the middle of the Russiagate. He's the one that first revealed to us in a stunning press conference outside uh, the White House that the, they'd found all these papers that linked some high-level people to some sort of a fraud involving Russian collusion, but that's all he could say at the time. So, you know, famously, he went on with the Intelligence Committee and uh, they did this deep dive, and I know some of his investigators that they they did incredible work. And so, what he said basically that he's not concerned about Sussman's acquittal, nor did it surprise him. And he goes on to talk about the jury pool in D.C. and how biased the judge and all of that. Uh, but he basically said um, that we know now so many more things than we knew before. As a matter of fact, yesterday I told you uh, because. Um, uh, Matt Gates had appeared with Tucker Carlson and announced that we know now that the Democratic law firm, Perkins Coy, and it's Democratic by the fact that it uh, represents the DNC, it represents the Hillary Clinton campaign, and much more. They're deeply involved with the left. The FBI had set up a secure work environment, a, a workstation in that law firm that Michael Sussman, who was the head of Hillary, was uh, the, the attorney for Hillary's campaign, had, he was running the thing. That is, and so now they're just beginning to look into that, but we are finding out now it was the Bureau itself that set that up. That would be probably under Robert Mueller. And so um, there's a lot of things. And then now we also know this is another stunning thing. Look, the truth has a value of its own. I guess that's how I would boil this down. And there are going to be there are liars people who repeat Pete lies, but eventually the truth has a power of its own. And tons of truth came out in that uh, trial uh, that if people are paying attention, they're learning uh, that it was Hillary Clinton, as I said yesterday, who developed this whole bit about the Russian collusion, lied about it, made it up, tried to deliver it to the American people as an October surprise to get Donald Trump uh, defeated, but it didn't work. And she was shocked and upset, as we all well know, the Alpha Bank allegation, which was supposed to be the, you know, the final proof that Donald Trump and his organization were affiliated with Russia, is completely false, fabricated. But they delivered that to the FBI. Sussman delivered that information, he said, as a private citizen, not, not, not from any affiliation that I have. But he later billed uh, the Hillary Clinton campaign three hours of work for the day that he actually went over to the FBI and delivered that information. Okay, so at the the exact same time that Sussman was delivering the information on the Alpha Bank, we know that the uh, people across the way were delivering information of the Steele dossier memos, which were completely fabricated by the Hillary Clinton campaign. Igor Dadchenko was uh, the Russian analyst who was hired to make that thing up, and he goes on trial next. Uh, there are a lot of things that we learned about. I, I can't go into any more, but you'll be hearing a lot more about what came out, and it's just a ton of information that's valid and useful if by any chance we ever rest 
this government back from this criminal element and worse, uh, we will have the basis for uh, bringing people to justice. We will, to real justice, if that ever happens. And if we don't, you know, God is the one who actually brings justice. And that's why I don't, uh, you know, I just shake my hand head. But I'm not discouraged. I'm not going to be discouraged. The truth is powerful. You know, I just have to tell you that. Um, so let me go back on this. This is from an insider analyzing. Uh, this is his thoughts about it. But, you know, he said uh, Jeff Sessions would not have known about all of this. Rod Rosenstein very likely knew about it. The jury is out on Bill Barr and how much he knew. The scramble would have been when Comey was fired and they needed a replacement who would continue the deal. And this is something that Bruce and I have talked about a lot. Bruce pointed out that, you know, uh, FBI Director Mueller called immediately and asked for a meeting with President Trump when Comey was fired and asked to be rehired as the FBI director. Um, you know, Mueller was not a young man, and he had retired after many years of service. Uh, by the way, Bruce served, served under him and felt him, you know, there's a whole other story about that. Not good. Let's just say not good. Indications that something was wrong with Robert Mueller, who has this great supposed record. Uh, and so uh, President Trump refused to hire uh, Mueller, and then he kind of freaked out. And then that's when they quickly did this turnaround. Rod Rosenstein appointed him to be the uh, special counsel so that it all went out of the side of the Justice Department and they were able to handle uh, the, the fraud that they were perpetrating on the American people. It's just amer- uh, amazing. So, um, by the way, there was a second search of records. This is just an interesting thing. I think we're going to hear more about this. This Rodney Joff was the tech uh, the tech technical, the um, uh, information expert that was involved in this. He was also testifying in that uh, trial. Uh, it appears that he and Barack Obama had have been corresponding for a long time, and they've identified 164 additional electronic files, much of which are is this back and forth with him and Barack Obama. So it'll be interesting if we hear more about that. Remember that that uh, station, workstation of the FBI in Perkins Coy was set up in 2012. There's just a lot of stuff. I'm sure we we have no idea how much is going to come out. And you cannot even, I can't, you know, I can't imagine the the deception and the web, the web that they have weaved. It is so, um, on. like I said, no one would ever write a novel like this. It would be too fanciful. They would say to themselves, no one will ever believe this. Uh, but that's what Hillary Clinton does. She's the master spinner of lies. She's just amazing, ridiculous, stupid, laughable lies that actually seem to work at some point. Now, I have a lot of things to say about uh, shootings and the follow-up on that. There was a shooting in Tulsa last night. All we know is that five are dead, including the shooter who killed himself. It is believed he's a black man between 35 and 40, something like that. Uh, It was at a medical facility. It was an outpatient surgery and breast health center. Uh, the report is that the shooter was looking for a particular physician and killed other people in the process. It's interesting, doesn't it? It interests me that this doesn't, maybe it's my perception and maybe it's wrong, but this story doesn't get much attention because it just does not serve the purposes of the left. This is not a story about racism, it doesn't seem. And it's by, inconveniently, a black man who does the shooting. And could I always add to you that evil has nothing to do with your color? You know, we are, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked who can know it. God says that in Scripture, and that applies to every man ever born and woman of whatever color they are. 
but the left always loves to count on to try to find these shootings that prove their racist theory. And I want to tell you something very important. Laura Ingram talked about this last night. I did not know she was on this, uh, and I'm so grateful she is. The whole issue of marijuana is a issue for me. It is a burr in my saddle. It is something that I absolutely hate. I hate marijuana. I cringe when I see all these products. I cringe when I see these states legalizing it. Okay, so I have a very strong prejudice against marijuana. So a couple of years ago, I got acquainted with Alex Berenson when he wrote this great article. He was the New York Times reporter who now is famous for his coverage of COVID. But Alex initially wrote this book exposing the harm of marijuana, and we did a very long interview. It was fascinating. Well, now it looks as though the shooter in Uvalde, it was reported by the New York Times and then taken down, that he was high on something, and we believe it was marijuana. Now it looks like his dad, his grandfather was into marijuana, had served uh, into drugs and marijuana, had served time in jail. Uh, The mother was a user as well. And so that took me to listening to um, Laura last night. Uh, And uh, she, I don't know if I'm... You guys delay the break just a little bit till I finish this point. Uh, Dr. Karen Randall is a physician in Colorado who uh, sees a lot of this in the emergency room because Colorado was the first state in the union to legalize marijuana. I want you to hear what she has to say about what she's seeing. This is clip five. These patients come in and they have like repeated vomiting or acute psychosis. They tell us it's super hard to stop, which says to me it's addictive. How do you know that these are directly THC reactions. So we track it by urine drug screens, and that tells us THCs. All right, so that's the first part of that. And then uh, you have people like, this is the culture now. This is how the culture responds to marijuana. I find it disgusting. I see this in movies. I see this among people that I know. It's like marijuana is nothing. And it is it is so highly concentrated now that we, that what what experts are saying, and I'm going to call one of these experts and have them on again uh, so that we can talk about this, is that the saturation level in marijuana that's sold right now is so high uh, that they, it, is, it does cause psychosis, psychosis and mental illness, and several of the shooters, uh, people involved in violence lately, have been involved in drugs. Okay, so this is Laura... Uh, talking with Hoopy Goldberg, I just want to give you an idea. You guys can run the the uh, bumper as we listen to clip six. Why aren't people in general not talking more about the pot, psychosis, violent behavior uh, connection? Kids can get an assault weapon. That's the issue. It's not if people are smoking too much weed. You know that, Laura. You should know that. It's not the weed. weed people who smoke weed are not carrying AR-15, right? Okay, they don't even know where they put them. Okay, <laughs> that's uh, really funny. People who smoke weed, weed are not carrying AR-15s. They don't even know it because because she knows that, right? Yeah, no. This is like a, this is like folklore. This is American folklore that marijuana is just funny. You know, you put it in brownies and trick your friends. Uh, you get people high. It's just uh, just a barrel of laughs. Takes the edge off of things. It does not. It is dangerous and addictive. It makes people stupid. And uh, I've watched it firsthand in my uh, in my own life and world. I just I hate the stuff. And we'll talk more about it later. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. 
Persecuted Christians in China, they're beaten, jailed, and threatened with death, and they need your help today. This is Bible League International, and just outside of Beijing, 12-year-old Ming became a believer after learning English as a second language through a program from Bible League because the Bible is the source of the reading assignments. Ming would lead her father, Daiku, a Confucianist to Christ, but her bitter atheist mother has turned them in for attending a house church near their home outside of Beijing. Now, we're not sure what's going to happen to these two, but they remain faithful in worship, and they're praying for Bibles because in their church of 200, There's only about three Bibles. Many are known to stay after the service to write down some scriptures just to have something to take into their week. And 50-year-old Katsu, beaten and jailed many times as a pastor, he led his atheist interrogator to Christ. Together they've seen thousands come to Christ. They need Bibles in China. We're sending God's Word to 16,000 persecuted believers. We have to do this by the end of June. So at $5 a Bible, call 800-YES-WORD, 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 or give it sendbiblesnow.org, sendbiblesnow.org. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for United States Attorney General Merrick Garland. As Attorney General, he is our country's chief lawyer and serves as the principal advisor to the president on all legal matters. Romans 13.1 reminds us of the importance of respect for the law and our leaders. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Merrick Garland in his role as Attorney General. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. This is an important election year in your state and all across the country, and we are joining together to pray the vote. Details at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next. Are you looking for a university that provides a quality Christian education with excellent academic and athletic programs? Well, I want to invite you to visit Liberty University, where they offer multiple visiting opportunities to fit your schedule. Plan a visit to their Central Virginia campus and stay for an afternoon, a day, or an entire weekend. You can also take a virtual tour from the comfort of your own home. Plan your visit today by texting "Go Visit" to the number 49596. Again, that's "Go Visit" to the number 49596. The state of Connecticut is about to crack down on your social media platforms. The New York Times says the Democrat-controlled state is going to hire a misinformation expert. It's a good job if you feel comfortable spying on your family and friends. $150,000 a year paid for by Connecticut taxpayers. Someone who will flag and censor what Democrats consider to be misinformation ahead of the 2022 midterm elections. Connecticut's Misinformation Network will work directly with social media to remove postings they find offensive. Meanwhile, Colorado lawmakers plan to redeploy a rapid response election security cyber unit, and California is working with Homeland Security to search for patterns of misinformation across the Internet. Both states, by the way, ruled by Democrats. It's not so much about banning misinformation as it is about stripping American citizens of their constitutional rights. I'm Todd Starnes. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. We're introducing legislation to implement a national freeze on handgun ownership. What this means is that it will no longer be possible to buy, sell, transfer, or import handguns anywhere in Canada. 
In other words, we're capping the market for handguns. Justin Trudeau, the, the uh, Prime Minister of Canada. You know, um, I don't know. You know, his voice. Okay, this is a comment for me because I often comment on things that have nothing to do with the actual facts, and that is his voice is like kind of compelling. You listen and you go, "Wow, that's." He sounds nice and concerned. He's like, and then it, it kind of goes, crosses the line and becomes creepy to me. And I think when it became creepy is when he started cracking down on the truckers in Canada who were so upset and being so harmed by the vaccine mandates, and he began to issue these autocratic rulings uh, and take away their ability to bank and take away their... It was just creepy. And so when I hear him speak now, most of the time it just sounds creepy to me. So that was a couple of days ago. I didn't play that clip for you because we ran out of time. But he has now outlawed handguns and all kinds of things in Canada. Canada. Now, Canada has all this, you know, openness and... Uh, hunting. It's a, it's a wilderness in so many areas. It's not even that highly populated because of the weather. Uh, and so he's issued this. I don't know how the Canadian people are going to respond to that, but here's the story I want to tell you. 24 hours later in Vancouver, which is, of course, where my son lives, Vancouver, British Columbia, where my son and my grandchildren live, they no longer can carry a handgun. Well, whew, thank goodness for that, except for an insane, according to Keen Bexty, these are his words, armed and high, an insane, insane Vancouverite attacks locals with two blades. And that's one day after Trudeau made handguns illegal and crystal meth legal. That part I didn't know about, that Trudeau had made crystal meth legal on the same day and handguns illegal. Okay, so here's the story from a Canadian source. A dual-blade attack at Vancouver gas station leaves several injured. I saw the video. This guy's got this long, curved, like, um, think of uh, Aladdin. <laughs> you know, that curved knife, like um, like the, the people in the East, East uh, like Muslims or East Indians would use. And uh, this, is, uh, this is a little choppy because it's like a report that's updated. It says, Vancouver police have released more information about the attack, which you can read here. Uh, the Vancouver police are sharing details in a statement to the Daily Hive. Uh, the v Vancouver Police Department stated that they're investigating a stabbing that occurred at the SO gas station at Hastings and Skeena Streets. One man was taken to the hospital for non-life-threatening injuries. The man wielding the dual blades has been arrested and is in con con custody. But it looks like there's a little bit more to the story. And in the video, it looks like there's several people injured. So one thinks that maybe the Vancouver Police Department's not being quite honest. As a matter of fact, a person who was the person at the gas station uh, weighed in on Reddit and said um, it looked like it was in, it started with some sort of motor vehicle incident. A guy in a van drove into one of the dudes you see on the floor, hitting him with the van. Uh, someone got out of the van with two blades and apparently hit someone in the head who can be seen injured in the video before allegedly stabbing the one with the broken ankle. In the video, you can see a man holding two bladed weapons, aggressively following some of the customers. I was the guy on the ground, un uninjured, really screwed up sequence of events. The gentleman coming out of the Tim Hortons with his coffee, that's where you get donuts in Canada, great donuts. So having his morning donuts and coffee is just heading to his truck parked on the street, and then the van just swerved deliberately into the man. He added that the van sent the man flying 10 feet in the air. After we were all trying to help the man and call 911, he grabbed two knife 
This guy grabbed two knife-looking things out of the van and came running at me from behind. He swung at me and took my hat off. After that, he grabbed a garbage can to defend himself. I just hope the man who got hit and stabbed is all right. Uh, yeah, you can see it in the video if you look hard enough. Uh, it's the Daily Hive is the news outlet. We should put that on our getter page, Adam, just so people can see that. And just this is the point. What is the point of that? The point of me telling you that is people in Vancouver and Canada at large who want to defend themselves from the many people who carry knives or drive vans and try to kill people or use knives and try to kill people will have no defense. They will have no defense. Uh, in eliminating guns is not the answer. Eliminating guns, it, it, it's uh, you've got to... The crime is killing people, whatever the weapon. Uh, the crime is killing people. We have to prosecute people and have strict laws and punish people harshly that do this to other people. And that would take care of a lot of this. Uh, I This is interesting because on The View, um, I wish I had a clip of this. They put a clip on here, but it turned out to be the wrong clip, and I didn't have time to find it for you, but it's a View co-host Tara Setmeyer. Now, I don't ever watch The View. You guys, I can't stand it. I just, I can't. It's really hard to watch women exchange ignorances. And they really, for the most part, uh, they just don't know what they're talking about. And it's tough to take. Uh, but but nevertheless, I hope you're not watching it for your information. It's entertaining. They're funny. They make you laugh sometimes. Uh, but I don't waste your time on that. Uh, anyway, Tara Setmeyer is a co-host. Uh, so she said um, the Uvalde school shooting uh, is because of the rise in violent Christian nationalism. Now, hang on. Remember, that's a, co a word coined, I believe, by the Obama administration and now doubled down on by the Biden administration. We have Christian nationalism. None of us had ever heard that word before. And that means that those of us that love our country, the United States of America, love our history and love our Constitution and happen to be Christians, we are the dreaded, horrible, no-good Christian nationalists. That's their new turn for us because they can use that to equate us with the Nazis because they were nat nationalists. Okay, so that's why they chose that. Pretty good term, right? It's, she said, her words, it's part of the Christian nationalism, the rise in violent Christian nationalism that we have seen, which is also disturbing. They use biblical principles. They pervert them to justify this. I, I, I'm curious to know. Um, I'm really, I'd really be curious to know what Biblical terms and principles were used to justify the shooting in Uvalde. But okay, uh, it's the view, so we don't you know, really question things. Then she goes on to say, particularly in Texas, this is a growing movement. It's God, guns, and Trump, or God, guns, and whatever. It's part of their ethos. Seth Meyer, by the way, is a senior advisor for the Lincoln Project. Lincoln Project were supposed to be Republicans, remember? And it turns out they're not at all. They just hated, 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 hated Trump. It was uh, Kellyanne Conway's husband, George, who was part of the Lincoln Project, who is so vitriolic when he appears on television like he's like he's unhinged. Well, she's the senior advisor for them. So Whoopi Goldberg joins in, and she says, it's always been this. This is the way it was down south. They used used to use the Bible and say, you're not people. God doesn't see you as people, so we don't see you as people. How, how ignorant can you be? I have to say, could I just say, Whoopi, 
if you were sitting across the table from me, it was the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Bible that stopped slavery. Where do you think the anti-slavery movement came from? It came from genuine Christians who saw in their scriptures that this was just wrong, and they fought hard to stop it at great price and sacrifice to themselves. And many of them died, hundreds of thousands, in the Civil War trying to stop it. And trust me, they're not that every one of them was a Bible-thumping, you know, righteous person, but their culture, at the very least, and many of them, their really beliefs were in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why our founding fathers struggled so over slavery, because they knew it was wrong, too. They knew from Scripture that enslaving people, and also by writing, you know, all men are created equal, endowed by the Creator, by certain unalienable rights, and that all men are created equal. They knew that there was a conflict, but there were slave states among the 13 states. And so they knew they would never form this uh, early union if they did not compromise and let the slave states continue. So it was never a matter of making it all right and making it biblically okay. So that's just false and ridiculous. And this is um, will be going on. I don't care, NRA. you got to give that gun up. You have have your other yeehaw guns, whatever you want. The AR-15 is not a hunting gun. It's, it is not a gun where you are going to get out and shoot your dinner. The gun is meant to kill people. That's what it's for, and you can't have it anymore. So there's a, there's a real push on this thing. The Time just published an article titled, It's Time to Stop Giving Christianity a Pass on White Supremacy and Violence. I don't know why the link between Christianity and white supremacy and violence when those are the end. You know, I don't know, maybe maybe they don't know that God actually destroyed the earth with a flood because of the violence that he saw men doing to each other. He was repulsed by the violence. That's why he destroyed the earth. Christians know that violence is absolutely antithetical. antithetical. Now, national, uh, nas- necessary self-defense, necessary wars, that's very different. That's not arbitrary violence. White supremacy, really? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Just, it's just disgusting to me. And the L.A. Times columnist now is slamming Christians who turn to faith in response to the Uvalde shooting, accusing them of supporting a return to the kind of faith that allowed brutal enslavement to be the law of the land for centuries. Now, wait a second. You know, enslavement, slavery has been going on for, well, since the beginning of time, in just about every culture, between colors in Africa, it was black on black. You know, tribes would, uh, you know, capture other black Africans and enslave them. And then they would help sell them to white slave traders. It was mutually equal evil prospect that didn't, it didn't start with Christianity. Are you kidding me? The Greeks, you know, used to be enslaved by the Romans. Maybe people just don't, they think that the only slaves were black slaves. I don't think so. Ask the Jews if they were ever enslaved by, you know, the uh, Egyptians. So now we've got, you know, Arabs who are like, please, the ignorance is palpable. And it didn't start with Christianity. It started with the black darkness of men's hearts. And so... um Here's another one. This Los Angeles writer, um, you know, I'm not going to go into that. I'm going to leave it with that. I've said enough about that because I have a couple other things I want to tell you before I open the phone lines. Um, This is uh, June 1st. (laughs) June is Gay Pride Month. Guess what? I remember when this started. It started under Bill Clinton. 
And they had all the agencies, you know, celebrate Gay Pride Month, beat their chest and be so proud that we, you know, fly the flag, all the, now we've moved to the embassies flying the LGBT flag, you know, even in Saudi Arabia and other countries where it's not very popular, Uh, you know, and it's not an act of bravery, it's an act of uh, defiance in the face of a holy God. Uh, and that the gay pride flags, you'll be seeing them flown. So here, our president made a statement. He, um, let's see, there was a statement that he made. We reaffirm that LGBTQI plus rights are human rights. And we recommit to delivering protection, safety, and equality so everyone can realize the full promise of America. During Pride Month, we honor the resilience of the LGBTQI plus people who are fighting to live authentically and freely. We reaffirm that the LGBTQI plus rights are are human rights, and we recommit to delivering protections, safety, and equality so everyone can realize the full promise of America. Pride stands for courage. It stands for justice. And most of all, it stands for love. Really? I'd like to just break that sentence down. Pride stands for courage. I believe God resists—I just—this biblical verse goes through my head. Uh, God resists the proud and exalts the humble. But, you know, uh, pride stands for courage. It stands for justice. Pride stands for justice. How many proud people have caused injustice for people that did not have the same power as they had? And most of all, it stands for love. A proud person generally loves himself too much to love other people. Just saying— uh, but as we recall the trials the LGBTQ plus community have endured and celebrate the trailblazers who bravely fought for equality, let us recommit to the work that remains. Happy Pride Month. And the I on this is in addition. It's, it re- stands for intersex. It's, so we've added a little another category. And the plus, according to the New York Times, is not just a mathematical symbol anymore, but a den- denotation of everything on the gender and sexuality spectrum that letters and words can't yet describe. Now, the one thing I would say about this, because we're talking about Christianity and what it really means, and it's supposedly it's the root of slavery, and it's the root of, uh, of uh, white supremacy, and it's the root of violence. Yeah, that's what ignorant people think who are writing now and speaking on television. I'll tell you what Christianity does stand against, and that is this perversion of God's design of man and woman. Man and woman, those are the designations. There are only two. Um, the only form of marriage is man and woman. It works biologically. It uh, fits. And all the other machinations are fantasy, dangerous fantasy, and worse than that, sin and rebellion against God. That I'm clear about. Got to take a break, but let's open the phone lines. 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840, Sandy Rios, in the morning on AFR Talk. Are you in need of hope, encouragement, and the love of God? I'm Pastor Salem. I'd like to invite you to join us for the Christian Worship Hour. For decades, I've been teaching the Word of God so that people everywhere can experience the love and power of a personal relationship with our Lord. Tune into this station this weekend and prepare to be blessed and encouraged by another life-changing message. Learn more about our program at ChristianWorshipHour.com.
Friendships is looking for full-time volunteer men and women who are serious about serving God, investing time in rewarding work, and helping people in need around the world. There is no charge to serve. Room and board are provided. A willing heart and a desire to work as part of a team are the primary skills required. Check out the opportunities at friendships.org or email portmercy at friendships.org. That's portmercy at friendships.org. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. According to a new nationwide survey conducted by Dr. George Barna, Director of Research at Arizona Christian University's Cultural Research Center, only slightly over 37% of American pastors have a biblical worldview. The majority, 62%, adhere to a hybrid worldview known as syncretism. And the numbers are even more startling when you consider surveyed children's pastors and youth pastors. It showed only 12% of them have a biblical worldview. No wonder our nation is what it's become. This evidence demonstrates that America's greatest need is repentance, and that repentance must start in the house of God. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Another day, another mass casualty shooting. Inevitably, federal legislators will redouble efforts to give the appearance of doing something to stop such violence. One idea under consideration is universal background checks. There's a significant problem that arises from what is arguably the most enduring impact of Team Biden's wrecking operation, namely the two million-plus illegal aliens it has let into this country that now live in neighborhoods like yours, all across it. Most of them are unaccompanied military-aged males, and like the vast majority of such uninvited immigrants, we have no idea who they are. You can't conduct a background check on someone with an unknown background. So, universal, as with the rule of law more generally these days, means only some will have to obey legal restrictions. Unequal justice is a formula for the destruction of what's left of our constitutional republic. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at sandy at AFR.net. That's sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. All right, Sandy Rios back with you. This is our time to talk, and uh, I do love talking to you. So let me give the phone number again. It's 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. 
And really, as always, uh, happy to talk about whatever you want to talk about. I prefer that you have something important to say. Um, and it's not a time to preach. Uh, we have a broad audience, and I just think use your, use your discernment and uh, bring your questions or your good comments, okay? Not just uh, something you're musing about that really is not maybe, if you think about it, that important, okay? You can help us by uh, being you know, careful about your own remarks. All right, a phone number is 888-589-8840. And also remember, we're on Getter, and that's where we post our articles. Our show is posted on Getter. So you know you can go to sandy at afr.net and listen to the show. I'm hoping that you have downloaded the app, AFR Talk, AFR Talk. You can get that anywhere in the universe. Well, maybe not the universe, uh, but in the United States and around the world in which we live, the Earth. Uh, it's available uh, if you have access to the internet, and you can listen live or a podcast at that app. So, uh, and um, so uh, many of you then respond the way we're doing this because we're not doing Facebook so much anymore for all the reasons that you know. Uh, you can respond to us at sandy at afr.net, sandy at afr.net. I'll read just one very quick from Marcy. She says, People are outraged about this school shooting in Uvalde and the killing of children, and so they should be. But isn't abortion also the killing of children? Where is the outrage? Marcia can't add to that. That's just a yeah. good question, isn't it? All right, let's go to the phones and find out who we're talking to here. Let's go to Florida and talk to Deborah. Good morning, Deborah. Good morning. How are you doing? Good. I'm doing good. We live in the best country in the world, and they, people don't understand this. But I just yeah. wanted to give you some historical uh, background. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg is a free a black. She was born in Florida. I don't know if you knew that or not. That she's black? And she's a free black. She was never a slave. She is not from a slave family. She's oh, a free black. Oh, I didn't hear you say free. in Florida. Uh, okay, I didn't hear you say free. Okay, I see. Okay. So, I mean, she gets on her um, tantrum about this. But the, um, like I said, the whole world is in flame. I was just talking to my husband's cousin in Australia for two hours. And she was telling me that there was a woman that was born in Las Vegas is now is one of the one of the uh, um, um, political leaders there. And then she was talking about her cousin, my husband's cousin in England, who now in the Cambridge area decided she wants to be a boy going to an all girls school. Yes, it's true, Deborah, isn't it, that the whole world is in chaos. If it isn't in chaos in terms of violence, it's in chaos. In terms of leadership and morality, I do think that this is, uh, we're in the eye of the hurricane. This is kind of the, the calm before what I think is going to be a terrible storm. Uh, and it isn't, the reason why I think it's bigger than it has been in the past, we've always had trouble, like in the United States. Uh, the 70s was, a, 60s and 70s were a frightening time. And I'm sure people would say, you know, uh, the, certainly the war, World War II was a frightening time. And then Back in the 30s, when uh, communism began to infiltrate the country, that was a scary time, too. But this time, it is really international. And you can see, I guess, we've been joined together by the ability to communicate. Uh, but it's also true that the same patterns are, it's just a wickedness. is just spreading like wildfire. And I'm just not sure. I just don't think God's going to, I just don't think he's going to put up with this for for long. I really don't. But Deborah, thanks for that international perspective, however dreary it is. Thank you. Let's go to uh, Linda in Tennessee. Good morning, Linda. 
Yes, thank you, Miss Sandy, for taking my call. I I love your show. I watch, I listen every morning, every morning. Thank you. thank you. But I just had a couple of comments. The the ignorance and the arrogance is astounding, and it's it's crazy how that so many people have been told the truth, but they simply refuse to see it. And people that have they're so proud about having open minds. Well, apparently their their minds are so open that their brain fell out. Yeah, exactly. It, it's, so it and with the with the abortion issue, I have told a couple of people and they have no answer for me. And I just look at them and I say, "What what if your mother chose abortion?" And they just stand there and look at me and turn around, and walk away, and we need to get that message out a lot more. Yeah. Okay, Linda, thanks a lot. You know, I have to say, I think uh, what she's describing and what we're seeing, I've mentioned this before, this is like, this is a supernatural thing. It's a grand delusion. The blindness of people is, I think it reminds me of the old, uh, the story, uh, the Pharaoh story, how God worked and hardened his heart, but he hardened his heart uh, and made him unable to see or hear but he was inclined to that. He didn't, Pharaoh wasn't like this wonderful guy, you know, willing to listen who God caused to harden his heart. He just hardened it more. And I think that is what's happening with people. They are, uh, they are, their natural bent is rebellion against God. Um, they don't want to conform. They don't want to have to behave morally. They love their sin. And so uh, God gives them over. He says that in Romans. He gives them over to reprobate minds, and I think people have been given over, and they're becoming harder and harder. Uh, so, uh, and then I think about the passage in Revelations where God sends all of these uh, in the during the tribulation. He sends all of these horrible judgments, horrible plagues, and judgments similar to what He did uh, to Egypt. And at the end of it, it tells us that the people still would not listen. They would not. They just said, we will not. We will not bow the knee to God. And I think that's kind of where we are. And I just don't think that's going to continue. I just don't think God's going to allow it to continue. Let's go to Yeoman in Iowa. Yeoman, right? You've called me before, haven't you? I have. It's been a long time, Sandy. Thank you for taking my call. I appreciate what you're trying to do. Absolutely appreciate what you're trying to do. Uh, On the topic uh, that you just talked about a few minutes ago, where the left is accusing Christians of being the new boogeyman, the Christian violence and that, is it possible that because the vast majority of American Christians have fallen for the Constantinian shift, where Christians agree, and, and with so many of the state's wars and violence that we are giving them room to make that accusation. We are not called to do that. We're called to be an ambassadors. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 6, we are called to be ambassadors. We are not called to be cheerleaders for the state and their wars. Yeoman, that's an interesting point. And I let me ask you, uh, no, this is not... A, I don't have any agenda asking you this. I just want to are you a pacifist when it comes to war? I am neither pacifist nor not, I'm not I'm not violent. I am not nonviolent and I'm not pacifist. We again, 
there it's neither left nor right it's not well you're either for the state you're either for war or you're pacifist there is it's neither left nor right sandy it's upward we have a place in this war that we are in the midst of this spiritual war but it's not to advocate for the state and its violence and it's not to advocate for not, uh, pacifism it's upward we have a place in this war. You're absolutely right. But so much of the church has missed it ever since Constantine. I mean, here we are serving a God, a Savior that never marshaled an army, never raised his hand in violence. I realize the whip in the temple, driving the money changers out. There's some discussion and debate on that. But we we missed it at 300 A.D. when Constantine... Uh, took over the church, and the church became part of the state. Yes. It's gone downhill ever since. Well, I don't doubt that. Um, I think you have some good points, Shulman, but I think if we had the time to really debate this, there's some things I would disagree with you about. Uh, you know, Romans 13 talks about, you know, there are people like my own husband, who's an FBI agent, called uh, to wield a sword, called to uh, bring order. And uh, there are people like my friend uh, General Jerry Boykin, J- Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, who founded Delta Force, strong believer in Christ, who fought valiantly and protected American lives because of the work that he did. So I'm not sure that I would agree with you quite. I do think, you know, it's possible that we've gone over the line a bit. I think we, you're right. We shouldn't be blind cheerleaders for whatever conflict that our country gets into. Uh, but I do think that we have a part, and I don't think it's wrong to participate and support a battle that's, for the most part, none of them are completely righteous, but like in the Civil War, there was a righteous cause, even though not everybody involved was righteous. Anyway, so, Yeoman, I I'm, I hate to do this because I'd love to talk to you more, but um, I hear what you're saying. I think your principle is right, but I think maybe we disagree on how much we should be involved in these wars and how much we should support them. I think there are exceptions to what you're saying, but thank you for those challenging thoughts. Let's go to Holly in Virginia. Good morning, Holly. Yes, good morning. Um, I just wanted to say, I was thinking about the mass shootings and everything, and I am a mom of three boys, older now, but is anyone looking into or considering the video game usage of these young people or these guys that are going out and shooting? And the reason why I'm wondering about that is because the video games are addictive, just like porn, and you have to keep upping your game in order to get that endorphin from it. And these games are so realistic and so violent. You have things like Grand Theft Auto where you do have, you're walking up and you're shooting people, you're stealing cars, there's rape. And you they do this in the video game. Is there a chance that, They've gone that route, and now it doesn't satisfy them anymore. So, Holly, that what it's really like that makes you you make a great point, and I don't doubt it. Has after as to whether the police are looking into that, I doubt it. Uh, but I think you're absolutely right. I'll just briefly say I met a young man in Israel Israel a couple uh, several years ago. He was from Texas. Mom was Jewish, dad was not. Uh, he was he told me he was just a little fat kid on a couch playing video games, addicted to them. He went to uh, Israel had to join the military and be quickly became a tanks expert because of the technology, because it was so much like video games. Uh, and it changed his life in a good way. But you're right, there is a correlation, and I think they should look into that. That's an excellent point. Let's go to Judy in Oregon. Good morning, Judy. Oh, good morning, Sandy. Uh, Judy from uh, Grants Pass. Listen, I just want to share with the audience, because you talk about education issues so much, and 
I've been involved many years, but uh, just to help people never uh, people never give up and just try their best to get to these school board meetings and really voice their opinion on their three minutes they have. Because I'm very involved, and uh, when I was in California in December, I was so blessed by God to be there because I had three squad cars that zoomed up to my house, and my neighbor was concerned across the street. And Well, we're looking for Judy, and uh, the good Lord kept me in California because somebody had indicated at a school, particular school, that uh, I was a school shooter, and I had never even, oh. a, even stepped my foot on there. So um, Brad Dacus is helping me out, and I'm going to uh, locate the person that did that. But but they even got me down as an incident report of being a – they don't put my name, but they get my address, my, my truck that was uh, parked in my uh, driveway here. So my point is uh, all they do is make me more determined to go before school board meetings. If they're trying to silence me, that's, that they, it doesn't work on me, Sandy. They just have to get out there because so many people – are being silenced uh, uh, by these school boards and superintendents and uh, just never give up. Wow, Judy, God bless you, and God bless Brad for for uh, defending you. And please keep us up to date on what's happening with you. Would you please, even if we can't talk on the air, send me an email and I'll share it with people, okay? Okay, thanks so much, okay, Sandy. Okay. God bless okay. your program. Well, God bless you. Thanks, Judy. Let's go to Phil quickly in Iowa. Phil, I think you're going to have the last word here this morning. Hi, Sandy. really appreciate what you do greatly. My comment is to reflect a little bit on Whoopi Goldberg's statement about uh, the church has sometimes uh, maligned people and used scripture to uh, use Christianity to dismiss blacks. I grew up in Southern Africa, and that dynamic was very real and very present where uh, they would use specific scriptures to determine that blacks were inferior, etc. Is this so South Africa? Be those, this would be Zimbabwe. Okay, quickly, uh, and Phil. South Africa. Okay. So it, it, we may not be those who are using the scripture in that way. But, but it I was done. Important. Yeah, it was okay. done. And we need to be those who are being the healing okay. and not those who are dismissing it. Well, that's. I uh, thank you for reminding about me about that. I heard about that, but not in a long time, and I've not seen what scriptures they're using. But that's the Christian, re, the Dutch Reformed in uh, South Africa, I believe, did do something like that, and I had actually forgotten. So, Phil, thanks for that reminder. Hey, listen, tomorrow we're going to be doing a featuring J6 and the prisoners in the jail that we talked to, and uh, I hope that you will tune in. Thank you for listening, Sandy Rios in the morning AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.